0: to the bald move tv podcast the officially unofficial podcast for all the tv i'm jim i'm aaron and we have a lot to talk about how long has it been since we've done one of these two weeks maybe two okay we're not very regular with these things well eat some fiber jim uh, i have <laughs> been in the form of californication Ooh, <laughs> i've been eating with my eyes is
1: that still on or is that
0: yeah no i think that's on for another season at least
1: what season is it on? uh there are
0: seven on netflix and I oh, watched well, that, all of them.
1: That means nothing. So there's an eighth season coming out soon?
0: I want to say yes, but I'm not totally certain about that.
1: Well, we're the officially unofficial. If we were officially official, we would have that information at our fingertips. We would. So what about Frank Moody? I've heard a lot about him.
0: Uh, Well, let's start with um one of the series that you want to talk about, which is The Beach. Oh, really? Yeah. We're, we've got an order to we this. We want to
1: start with the torrential negativity, do we?
0: Sure. We'll get to some positivity later.
1: So, the bridge underwhelmed in the first three episodes. Which, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your viewpoint, is what you saw with me. And then it got really good. It was suspenseful. Uh, it did a lot of interesting things about uh, you know putting characters in peril. It had this interesting plot where it turns out the CIA is involved in selling heroin... In Central America, for some reason, and Daniel, okay. uh, the the uh, uh, SLC punk, what's his name? Matthew, Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Math, Matthew Lillard character and Andrea, Jesse Pinkman's b- girlfriend from Breaking Bad, were poised to blow the lid wide open with Kubiak from Parker Lewis Can't Lose as help.
0: But. But. I sense a but.
1: Parker Lewis or uh, Kubiak got killed mm. in this big drug hit that or this this big I I don't know. There's a lot of the mechanics that I kind of lost and you know so this is a Sebastian character who is the Mexican mogul who turns out is the real life brother of uh, Marco who you know as the Bridge uh-huh. uh, Marco Ruiz. He's uh, it turns out that he was getting pissed at his business partner. Uh, Fausto okay. for causing too many bodies and bringing too much heat and even getting bodies over on the American border and he's like you can't do this you know we're trying to make more money and he tries to give him you know a historical book I think it might have been Marcus Aurelius it might have been Machiavelli sure. but it's like you know yeah, you got to be he needs
0: a Noah Wiley on his side
1: yeah you need a yeah. vel- you need a velvet glove for the iron fist and Fausto yep. didn't want to hear anything of it but at the same time Fausto is also kind of this feeling that he's at the end of the wall like i've had a really good run there's this really great scene where he's sitting in his warehouse where he's got this cigar boat and these bugattis and these airplanes what is
0: a cigar boat
1: you know like the miami vice boats the real like 45 foot speed boat but only three people can can sit on it but they go super fast i don't know why they're called cigar boats maybe everyone
0: smokes cigars on
1: them because they're shaped like a cigar are they? I think so. I, I mean, they are pointier. Maybe they're blunt. I'm, I'm, like thinking blunt. Miami
0: bias, I'm thinking like pointy. That's
1: it, it's called a cigar boat. boat. Maybe huh. it's because they the Cubans run cigars in them.
0: Oh, could be. To get
1: around a blockade.
0: Too fast for the Coast Guard.
1: But he's, he's saying like, you know, when's the last time I've ever taken this boat out? Like I can't, I haven't seen the sunlight forever. These guys are all over me. And Sebastian ends up selling him out. So the Marines, who are like the paramilitary police of Mexico... Decide they're gonna bring him down. Uh there's also this parallel thing where last year there was this this these this this police band of police officers in Chihuahua, Mexico that were gang raping women okay. and then killing them. Mm-hmm. And the Steven Linder character, who is the really bearded, wild haired crazy guard that kind of talks like this. Uh- um he he helped save her and they're investigating Marco's boss, uh Captain Robles that uh they're they're investigating him for this, and there's the is tightening around them uh all this comes to a head because all of fausto's supporters the captain uh Sebastian, even the uh Mennonite woman who it turns out um uh is is was the uh run Lola run girl yeah. Uh, they all turn on him, and he goes to ground. He kills like his own men. He just keeps the one really big fat dude as his like loyal guy. They go off into the mountains in his villa, and they kind of hide out. Okay.
0: Um, Does he have more than one villa?
1: I, I imagine I mean, but this is like a super secret villa, and if only I learned anything from twenty four. Only Marco knows where he's at, so he he okay. offers to take the Marines to to him, and it turns out to be a big big clusterfuck because. Uh, Fausto kidnaps Sebastian's daughter, who turns out is a drug abuser. She's like twenty years old. She's pretty hot, but he keeps her and like does a film like "I'm gonna kill your daughter unless you call off the dogs." Mm -hmm. All that shit's going on. It turns out the CIA is hip deep in this uh, heroin deal, and like one of the CIA people, they're saying he's gone rogue. They're like kind of disavowing him, and he's running around trying to kill people. He almost kills. What's her face, uh, Sonia, the autistic blonde woman? Mm-hmm. Uh nothing, and, but but and, and it it kind of gets interesting. But then, like I remember in the penultimate episode, thinking, "Wow, there's a lot of stuff to wrap up this season." Like uh, we don't know what's going on with Sebastian, and we don't know what's going on with the CIA guy. Uh, um, Fausto's in the wind. You know, Marco's captured by him at this point uh Sonya's been hijacked by the CIA people Hank got shot up in in the big drug hit at this this big ranch thing uh all this shit is going down and it turns out they did a terrible job of wrapping it up <laughs> like really the only thing i cared about is i wanted to know uh with the run, Lola run. I said that she had like the sloth character, yeah. you know, because you know we see her feeding an acorn to this dude. Yeah, turns out that's her father, who is a religious nut job, a Mennonite guy living on this compound in the Southwest, and he sexually abused her. She went to Fausto at some point in her teens and asked that for help with the situation, and he kidnapped the guy and turned him into a pet, like. Okay. And, you know, you're thinking, like, oh, wow, this would be interesting. You got a guy who's, like, on – like, they imply that they took his testicles off and, and they did a whole bunch of psychological and physical torture and that they, you know, kept him in a cage and led him around uh, on a chain. But you never really get to see the guy. When you finally get to see it, he's a dude with a long beard and hair and he's got prescription glasses. That The pet doesn't wear prescription glasses. Huh. He's, he's wearing, like, a, a dress shirt and – uh, flip flops and so you're shitty he wasn't underwear. Slothy
0: enough for you? I like. You want a little more sloth in your sloth? Well, I so so she
1: finally because that's the 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 hold that Sebastian had over him that during the raid of Fausto's place that he had to leave this guy behind and and Sebastian's dudes got this guy. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing she cares about. That she wanted to take care of this guy. So in the, the climax of the episode, she takes him across the the river back in the United States, I think. No, no, it was actually in Mexico. It's a plot point. And she chains him up under this big tree that I guess she used, he used to bring her to molest her. And she, like, dares him to come at her, and he's chained up. Well, of course, the chain is tied to the shittiest underground pipe in the world. And after this emaciated ninety year old sloth guy with long fingernails and dirty underwear lunges against it two or three times he breaks free mm. and suddenly this guy's choking this woman to death <laughs> who we've seen killed men yeah, women yeah. children he's completely got the upper hand on it. Sonia shows up and shoots him, okay which is okay. a problem because she's not allowed to use her gun on Mexican soil so she's you know they set up this thing where she's going to lose her job um the cia guy gets killed he gets silenced by the cia so it's implied that uh matthew lillard story is going to go nowhere wait
0: the big-headed cia guy
1: no that's the fbi you're thinking he's actually fbi yeah, I he don't. got killed a long time ago this is a oh, squ- he did? Wow. yeah this is a okay. little squirrely guy that you've never you've never he, yeah, he yeah. actually is uh the father of nucky on boardwalk empire okay. sure yeah. Uh, but nothing kind of, it, it kind of ends unsatisfactorily and they zoom out in the space and they show like, you know, you know, where Sony was standing and they keep zooming out and you see it's like this little bend of the river and like, you know, there again, here's, T, here's, uh, um, here's Mexico and here's the United States. And the, I don't know, man, it just, I don't think it's going to get another season. They're openly talking about canceling it. And I read an interview with Alan Sepinwall where the guy wanted to leave a little bit of stuff more hanging and set up season three more. But the studio is like, you know, we're probably going to cancel you. So he tried to hastily draw things to conclusion, but I don't think anything really was concluded.
0: And Okay, that's because I was going to ask you if you think maybe they're setting up for another season, for the next season, but... They're not gonna have a next season.
1: I don't think they will, and I'm fine. After mm. seeing how badly they botched the last two seasons, where they set up things really well and then they just couldn't deliver, I think I'm fine with it. I
0: I just don't know why they didn't take the bridge. The concept of the concept and setting of the bridge and make a damn interesting program around the but drug they war. Did. There, they
1: had, they had this. Um, the
0: fucking sloth people don't need. To I be know, there. Like, just the like thing. the
1: serial killer angle. They can't. They gotta. They uh. gotta fucking nip tuck this shit yeah. because it's on yeah. FX. I guess they have to have yeah. some, you know, child molesting monster, literally monster man who's not that scary. He's literally an old dude in prescription glasses <laughs> and dirty underwear and flip flops.
0: I find. A, a an interesting nuanced story about a very pertinent issue much more interesting than some fantastical bullshit they could have had like introspective sort of examination of society and culture they I find could that have had a
1: southwest a southwestern tex mech version of the wire and it would be yeah. super interesting yeah Hell because yeah. like people say baltimore's a hellhole no. Look
0: at Juarez. <laughs> Juarez
1: is a fucking hellhole.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And Lawless Place and all that, although I guess that that's kind of like some people from Juarez are like, fuck you people, our city's not that bad. And some of the big yeah. plot lines, like the Girls of Juarez, I guess that's based on a large, largely fictitious.
0: We need a Detroit show. <laughs> that's what we need.
1: And then across the bridge is Canada and everything sunshine and maple <laughs> syrup and moose. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, yeah. Man, Canada should bridge it up and have Detroit be some fucking they should. Robocop 2050 <laughs> mutants running around and Ford Tauruses. That would be pretty funny. But no, I just yep. felt like
0: they. They call it the Niagara Divide. There we go.
1: The characters of Hank, Sonia, Marco. Um, Stephen Linder, Matthew Lillard, Matthew whatever. Lillard, yeah. which um, and, I don't and know the, which one he is. All these guys are just so good, and they can't tell a cohesive story with it. And what that I really sucks. don't get, I'm gonna be down on Steppenwall a lot this this episode. I'm afraid, probably. Um, he talked about how mythic the confrontation between Run Lola Run and her uh her sloth, which I guess a lot of people didn't get the illusion I was making. Sloth is the the four mutant child of the Fratelli gang from Goonies. Yeah. Um. The, but he's talking about how mythic it was and how it was like an impressive ending. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? This guy's been teased like some kind of, I was expecting like the master from the strain. Yeah. This is some old dude in glasses that that like I could see as soon as she chained him up to those rickety pipes. Oh, this is going to break. And the yeah. fact that he gets the better of her, just, no, it's terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> It was terrible.
0: That's unfortunate. I'm glad I didn't stick with the bridge. I, the other thing is I that the whole that relationship
1: wasn't... with with Sonia and uh-huh. the brother of the person that killed her sister. Yeah, yeah. That went nowhere. It turns really? out that he was sitting on the knowledge of he deeply suspected as a teenager, as a 12 year old boy, that her his his brother had killed somebody. Okay, but he wasn't sure where and if that happened, and as a as a man when he met Sonia and he saw the drawings, he knew like he was drawing stuff like a water tower that had like weird symbols you You didn't really understand that looking at it, but he knew where those locations were, and he found the body, and he's like, you know, I kind of knew uh, okay. that he might have killed, and everybody's pissed at him. Why didn't you say something my sister It's like he was twelve fucking years old, man. Like, he's not encyclopedic. I was like, I didn't go anywhere. And then she kind of dismissed him. We never saw him again. Hmm. Uh, you know, her and Hank had a big blowout, but then Hank almost got himself killed. So that was all bridge, water under the bridge. <laughs> uh-huh. I was just super, after them really ratcheting up the tension, the last episode, and to a lesser extent, the last two episodes, really screwed the pooch. And you're right not to stick that's, with it.
0: That's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. It would have been a
1: really unprecedented hour of negative podcasting had I kept. Had we done the full season.
0: And this was only 10 minutes of negative podcasting. Mm. Unfortunately, I have some negative things to say about the next show we want to talk about. Is this
1: just going to be the shitty TV podcast? It might be. It might Uh-oh. be the nega
0: cast. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about in the middle? The Nick? I hope, I hope that's not too negative. Sure. All
1: right. I can say some positive things about the Nick. But
0: before we get into that, let's talk about Californication. I watched okay. all 974 seasons of this. <laughs> uh, no, there's seven seasons, and I, I looked it up. It is, in fact, seven was the last season. So sheds new light for me on the ending of that show, which makes it slightly more interesting uh, in retrospect. But I, I liked season one of this show a lot, and I had watched it. I've heard good things,
1: and I'm a David Coveney fan.
0: Season one is fucking fantastic. Can, can you tell?
1: Can you set up the show for me? Because I understand. So here's okay. what I've I've heard. Okay. Because Bill Simmons used to be a big fan. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of women like this guy. Even though it sounds like it's he's it's super charismatic. It's a he's a um, nymphomaniac, mm-hmm. misogynist mm-hmm. asshole mm-hmm. who has lots of sex with women, mm-hmm. and he doesn't stand for anything. He's got a teenage daughter.
0: Yeah. Uh, so she doesn't start out teenage, but over the seven years of the show, she becomes, she goes off to college, and it's oh, a okay. meadow soprano sort of thing.
1: Okay. Um, so what is the plot? I mean, what is this a show about?
0: So this show is all about Hank Moody's career as a writer in Los Angeles. He moved. He wrote a book, um, which got a lot of notoriety, called "God Hates Us All," and he <laughs> he was living in New York at the time, and that was kind of the source of his inspiration for this book is New York City. And then, to in order to further his career, he takes his wife and his kid, and he moves out to California to Los Angeles to you know try to make it real big out yeah. there. And uh, he writes the, the the shitty. He he writes a script for a movie that turns out to be super shitty, and his career kind of takes these these jaunts off into things that he's not necessarily proud of. Do and we see this comes back? Yeah, we see it through the whole... So it's
1: like an eastbound and down situation. We actually follow his career as, it, as he tries to do other series. and Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: and in episode... Or, sorry, season one of this thing, it's a very edgy, um, funny, sexy look at the life of a writer in Hollywood and the, the life of someone who is just famous enough to get noticed... But not like, you know, Tom Cruise or anybody. Like
1: David Duchovny.
0: Like David Duchovny, pretty much, yeah. Except I think a lot of people recognize David Duchovny. Being X-Files a writer, is big, sure. Yeah, being a writer, not a lot of people recognize his face. Mm. Um, but it, I, I think maybe more people recognize him than might in the real world. But it's TV. Okay. But season one is fantastic. It is funny. It is... The character himself is haunted by a lot of things that are very interesting. Uh. And I I loved it. I watched through season one about a year ago and I said, okay, this show is really good. I'll come back to it when I have time. I came back to it. I watched seasons two (laughs) through seven and seasons two through seven are a different show. Seasons two through seven are weeds with more sex. Mm. Like one of the things that has always been true about Hank Moody is that he is an alcoholic. He drinks constantly. He smokes constantly. He is, you know, what you think of when you think of a gritty writer. A smokes author.
1: like or smokes like smoke cigarettes okay
0: uh he also does partake in drugs from okay time, to time but that's not really his vice his vice is cigarettes and alcohol and All sex right. and sex like lots and lots of sex there's tons of nudity in this it's a showtime show uh-huh. uh david Duchovny, who famously is from red shoe diaries like way back in the sure, day sure uh he is no stranger to the nudity on his shows so uh-huh. uh works out for him i guess
1: <laughs> sadly not as much nudity in the x-files
0: No, no, there's probably none. But yeah, seasons two through seven just devolve into not necessarily cliched characters, but really ridiculous, over the top caricatures of people in Hollywood. Hmm. And he has a the friend named Charlie Runkle, who's like his best friend and his agent and his manager. (laughs) With a name like
1: Runkle, you can't go wrong.
0: Everybody calls him Runkle throughout the series, but he is. If David Duchovny is the uh, – D- David Duchovny is nympho compared to this guy. This guy is off-the-rails nymphomaniac. Sex is all he thinks about at all times, and it really? causes his life to devolve into this chaotic mess of – bullshit and semen like it's it's horrible (laughs) so it's like a metallica cover like a
1: mid-90s metallica cover pretty
0: much yeah (laughs) (laughs) but so that kind of takes hank moody down with him as well Mm. to a degree but he's just such a character and his wife who is um whoa he's still married uh he's married on and off throughout the series as is everyone in this series
1: same woman or different women
0: uh married to only one woman married on and off though okay uh yeah divorce (laughs) remarriage and weird shit like that okay uh so it's got steven tobolowski who is kind of the foil to uh charlie runkle and he like steals his wife away and he is also like it's just like this show is written by 17 year olds because the whole shtick for steven tobolowski is that he has like a massive dong (laughs) And and he uses sure. that, and he's super rich and successful, but his world is dominated by his dick. Do we do we get a prosthetic dick? Do we ever see covered by, covered by speedos? It's it's enormous. It wraps around to his hip, like <laughs> <laughs> like it's a cucumber in his pants when they when they hint at it. So okay, I, I mean it's funny to a degree, but it's so juvenile. Sure, so juvenile, and every single character is like that, except for hank and and karen who is his his lifelong love and Uh ex-wife um and the mother of his daughter Uh and their relationship is actually kind of good because it like he is such a wreck in his life um with the alcoholism and the womanizing and everything that she can't bring herself to take him back and to be you know his his companion i guess but they're stuck together through this daughter um and that keeps them gravitating around each other and by the end of the series i mean i'm whatever i'm going to spoil the end because i want to talk about it uh-oh um flip off in the context of what i thought when i thought there was maybe a season 8 versus uh-huh. now what i think it doesn't end in a clichéd way so i kind of if if there was going to be a season 8 i was worried that it was going to be a friends ending where it's like oh god of course they're going to get together and like they've been hinting about this for 8 seasons now uh, that sort of thing. The way they end this thing is that Hank and Karen like come to an understanding where where Karen says, you're just I can't take you back. You're too much of a wreck. Um, but
1: by the way, I just confirmed that Californication was canceled after season seven. So you are 100 yeah, yeah. percent up on it. OK.
0: Yeah. and But Hank is in a place where he's never going to actually stop loving her. And he mm. says that much to her. And that's kind of where the series leaves him. I think that's pretty interesting, but God, the journey getting from season one to season seven's ending doesn't feel satisfying and feels juvenile the entire way through.
1: Was it funny? Like how many laughs per episode were you averaging?
0: Uh, Probably point 0.2 per episode. Wow, I, I, like, shockingly like, real low. good laughs. Like, okay. There were some laughs. Like, a, like some
1: wry observations, some, like, huh.
0: Yeah, and maybe some, like, eye roll kind of laughs. Like, uh-huh. oh, God, really, they did that? Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, there's a cucumber in Stephen Tuff Tuvlas- Uh-huh, sure. Uh, but the real, actual, clever, or really funny laughs were few and far between. And it just, I, I would watch season one for sure, because that's a fantastic season. But I don't is it know self-contained,
1: or is it? You know, could you like watch season one and not be tempted to go into no, season two?
0: No, because season two continues a storyline that is super important to Hank Moody.
1: When's the best uh, place When's the best time to bail? Is there is a clean bailing point?
0: That storyline doesn't come to fruition completely until like season five, oh. because the character, one of the characters, involves leaves for a long time on a book tour and then comes back in season four or five so you'd have to watch the whole thing to really get anything satisfying out of it
1: so you're saying the only way if, to win is not to play
0: pretty much but if you do want like some great dialogue and some laughs and stuff watch season one you'll be you might be tempted to watch season two but i'm telling you it doesn't get any better
1: <laughs> go on the one. wiki and find out how it ends
0: <laughs> pretty much yeah uh
1: all right anything else with California Cation?
0: uh no no i think that's it
1: so I've been I've kept watching the Nick. Uh, last time I talked, I think I'd seen the first two, maybe three episodes, and I said the thing looked great, had lots of interesting medical gore, it has some decently interesting characters, but I was really bothered by some of the social issues and, you know, the 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 fact that it's like I don't I don't understand it doesn't feel edifying to watch this uh, a black man be degraded in the medical industry mm-hmm. when it doesn't just seem like there's much of a point to it, you know. Okay. So, um, like like you have to have some piece of social conscience to go with that to justify the on-screen degradation of of a, of a person. I th- I think.
0: Okay, I probably disagree with that, but.
1: Well, interestingly enough, um, I don't know they've done a really great job of that. Uh, the character, the the doctor in question, uh, went ahead and founded a a Negro hospital under in the basement of the Nick in secret,
0: okay. where
1: he was seeing people. The underground hospital. He was buying medical supplies and doing some you know taking of the upstairs supplies, uh, but he's like he he but he's doing a bunch of stuff like. He converted a vacuum sweeper, a very early vacuum sweeper, into a blood suction device. He pioneers a new technique to repair hernias that has, like, the mortality and failure rate of the existing surgical hernia repair was, like, 50%. This hmm. is down to like 0.5%, and wow. that was because the guy wouldn't follow the instructions not to lift heavy things <laughs> after he did it. Blew his ass out. So at, at, in one episode, the main character played by uh, the uh, Dr. Thackeray, who's played by Clive Owen, uh, is there late at night like he always is, and, and he basically smokes opium, does ch- – um, Chinese whores and shoots up cocaine between his toes. Uh, yep. That's his life.
0: Sounds, sounds right. Yeah.
1: He hears some stirrings and goings on down in the basement, and he goes down there and he blows the 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 lid on this operation wide open. And he hates this guy because he's been you know I explained how the liberal family that owns the hospital forced him to take this guy on mm-hmm. this black doctor as his uh, chief resident. And uh, he wants him gone. So he's like frothing at the mouth like, I got you now. But then he sees the guy's notes like on this new surgical technique. And and Dr. Thackeray is above all a physician. Like he wants (laughs) – he personally sees himself as struggling against death. And he's one of the ones at the forefront of this medical technology where – We can now give people – like like we live in a world where you go into surgery, you expect to make it out. Mm. That wasn't – that's like surgery is a last resort. You're probably going to die. Yeah, yeah. But it's better than just dying anyway. Um, It's it's living cadavers. He sees himself as the forefront of that technology, Um, and he sees the guy's blood-sucking technique and all that stuff. So he instantly does a 180, and it's like, oh, I see you as my intellectual peer, and now I'm going to make – I'm going to have you scrub in and do surgeries with me. Um, the other chief medical resident hates it. He thinks it's terrible. Uh, he's got a plot where his, his child dies of meningitis. There's a lot of interesting historical stuff, like the real life typhoid Mary, uh, whose name was Mary. And she was a cook amongst all the wealthy upper class people, uh, in New York city. And, you know, getting, uh, this particular disease is meningitis, and I forget, the, the typhoid fever was like a immigrant disease. Okay, It's something that only the lower class people got, and it kind of bred and, and by not washing your hands and doing filthy stuff like that. She was um, a carrier of it. She didn't suffer from the disease, but she carried the virus inside her body. And medical science didn't even know something that was possible. Yeah, So they qu- throw her ass in quarantine. She actually petitions the court to get out. And they get the doctors on the stage like, is this person infected or not? She seems healthy. And they're like, no. And this is like a medically new thing to judge and understand it. She releases it and she continues. But there's like, you know, rich and poor people are dying of this disease in New York City. And there's a whole interesting plot about her, um, you know, tracking that down. The The daughter of the wealthy family that owns – she's kind of the hospital administrator, which is another kind of progressive thing. She falls in love with the black doctor, and they're having right now a secret affair that seems like it's fraught with peril. There's a full-on race riot uh, because one of the plot lines is one of the police officers is rounding up women. Like he trumps up charges against vulnerable immigrant women and otherwise – uh, and then says he'll take it easy on them if they join this brothel, and he's basically selling them into sexual slavery. Mm-hmm. So he goes up to this one uh, well-to-do-looking black lady and accuses her of prostitution and says, I need to take – you need to come with me or it's going to – well, she's not a prostitute and her – it seems like they're like maybe from Europe, but this black gentleman steps out and they start in a fight – and the cop tries to nightclub him, and this guy just stabs him to death.
0: Yep. Okay.
1: Uh, so the all-white, all-Irish Catholic police force is now on the lookout for a black man that's stabbing. And they're just basically indiscriminately – the entire white community in New York City is rioting. And they are trying to beat up and hang and otherwise every black person they can get their hands on. The wow. Nick is forced to, like, take all these black folk in to, like, shelter them against the will of the administrators. Um, they're try- repelling crowds, trying to keep them out. They're they're actually um, dressing these folks up as cadavers and corpses and moving them, you know, through the street because someone stole their horses for their ambulance. Wow. So it's kind of interesting how they're showing a little bit more of the societal's attitudes and, you know, how I guess Dr. Thackeray kind of operates on a... He's still a virulent racist. (laughs) It's just that this particular... I kind of felt like, you know, in Django Unchained, where you had Leonardo DiCaprio going on and on about how Django was an exceptional Negro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. He's not less of a racist. He's just seeing this guy excel in the situation like, oh, you're the one in a million.
0: Yeah, he thinks it's the exception rather than the rule.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I still don't know about that, but the show continues to be completely so beautifully shot and they have these really interesting cameras like a one to two minute single shot take of a surgery is the norm and i just Hmm. there was one particular jarring one that i'm like oh shit they do this all the time and i just it's the degree of difficulty pulling that off must be immense but steven soderbergh is so good you don't even notice it
0: is it like breaking bad's cooking montages no i know it's one shot but
1: and it's all very is that, is intimate. That kind
0: of their, their thing that they do.
1: Like you can see the camera work. It's not like steady cam. It's like you can actually see right. the, the the camera operator like take a sidestep over and mm. follow people around the wall. It kind of reminds me a lot of ER. Okay. It's like Turn of the Century ER because they did a lot of that stuff too. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, it continues to be extraordinarily gory. Um, there's really cool medical advances though. Like we saw the first X-ray, like being demonstrated. And there's like stuff that's kind of like in Mad Men where. You know now, like a nurse – uh, the guy's oh, no, like, no. the nurse is like, can you do me, doctor? And he's like, hold this plate. <laughs> now let me fire up, fire up the magnetron. And you see this fucking radioactive uh. thing great, glowing green. And they're all just standing around it, like a dozen people. And he's like, now wait for 45 minutes. Like, no. <laughs> everyone in this room being blasted by gamma radiation for 45 Munch. minutes. Like, it is burning. You've got breast cancer, and you've got testicle cancer, and you've got lung cancer. So it's like there's some grim moments of humor around that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um. But, uh, you know, the main thing where Clive Owen, who is, like, 50 years old, is fucking, like, a 19-year-old nurse, and he's got her, like, she's well on the way to being hooked to cocaine. That, so the, the, the latest plot line is the Spanish-American War has dried up the supply of cocaine in the country, hmm. and Dr. Thackeray is having these extensive cocaine withdrawals. And they, it's interesting because okay. the way they film it, like, this whole episode, they just film Clive Owen's sweaty face. And maybe ev- occasionally they'll tear the camera off to look at something he's supposed to be paying attention to. But you get this, like, the fact that he just can't, can't stay concentrated on anything without the cocaine, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know why I'm not really caring about him being addicted to cocaine and him being like, I feel like this is really well-worn material. And the okay. medical stuff is interesting. Like I said, I saw the x-ray being invented, I saw the endoscope being invented. Um and if, as far as I can tell, this these are kind of like real, grounded in science type of things. Yeah. Um the electrification of New York City is really interesting. Uh the ins and outs of the, you know, I I I thought I said about that there the two most interesting characters are the head ambulance driver who shows up the ba- you know the accident scenes with a baseball bat and beats the other ambulance drivers off? Yeah, and a nurse, mercenary
0: ambulance drivers
1: and a nurse that performs abortion. Uh, no, not a nurse, a nun that performs abortions, and they continue huh. to be super interesting characters. Okay, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think it's worth watching, but I could see if you're a minority, it would just drive you up the fucking walls. And sure. if you're if you've seen anything like what was that Nicolas Cage movie about the ambulance driver? Uh, uh, it was a Scorsese film about him kind of uh-huh. being addicted to drugs. It's it's that's this film. That's this this show, I think.
0: Shit, I can't think of the name of that, but I saw it way back in the day.
1: It's like something about a heart attack or 1 minute or yeah. <laughs> gone in 60 seconds. That's what it is. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. That's how long you got to revive a heart attack patient. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> But so again, I, I I like it. It's definitely something I love watching on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish MaxGo had a PlayStation Three client or a smart because I have to watch. I, I've got this convoluted thing where I either tape it on my DVR, which my DVR I don't. Why don't I tape it on my DVR? I think there's too many other things that are recording and it never does oh, it yeah, properly. Yeah. yeah. Is it a Sunday night show? No, it's Friday.
0: Oh well, what the hell do you have recording on Friday? I don't know.
1: There's a reason why it's Mm -hmm. the recording stuff is not working. But I try to, but but so I have to watch it on my laptop and then cast it over Chromecast. And yeah, I just much rather have it be on. And I don't understand because HBO, it's the same fucking thing as HBO. Literally,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's like where is the client for it? I don't know. So that's the Nick.
0: All right, sounds kind of cool.
1: I think you uh, should. I, I think you. Would I like, like
0: Clive Owen, so
1: and he's really good. Yeah, he's really good. I just don't care about his romance with the little nurse. I don't know where that's going. I don't really care about his. I don't. I don't care about Doctor Thackeray at all, and he's the star of the show.
0: Mm, yeah, that's bad.
1: I really, I, I really care about out Doctor the Algernon the Black Doctor. He's really uh, awesome. Like I, I, he's got the bearing of Prince.
0: the the bearing of prince yeah imagine like prince
1: on stage when he's performing that's kind of the way he kind of intensely looks at his face he's kind of got that same facial structure Uh and stature um but he's also like a really good at fighting people and he's got this massive chip (laughs) on his shoulder because he comes from he comes from france where it's no big deal to be a black doctor Uh and now he's getting called the n-word and being assaulted in surgical suites and having Like, people, he's trying to save their life. Don't let that darkie work on me. Jesus, And be like, fuck you, die then, asshole. sure. Here, let me shoot you up with cocaine. Goodbye. Um,
0: All right, well, I might wait till season one is over. I don't
1: don't know what arc they're building to. Except for it seems like the big plot is that the Nick is losing money because it stayed in the poor part of New York where all the other hospitals have fled uptown. Mm -hmm. And the pressure to close the Nick and, and reopen it in a more affluent part of New York City and how they're resisting that. Weird.
0: Anyway. Weird. Okay.
1: Something we can both talk
0: about. Yeah, Homeland. Homeland. I watched the uh, premiere of season four, so I haven't seen seasons two and three.
1: I've seen all the seasons. Do you yeah. have any... Because qu- you saw all of season one. Uh-huh. Do you have questions for me? Baby. That's Brody's baby. I think I that's weird. It looks, it looks like they cloned... Uh, what's his name? Damien Lewis.
0: I, I think yeah, something like slapped
1: that. slapped a vagina on him, and that I mean it's it's a it's a Brody baby. It's a bro a Bro baby a Broby. It's a Broby
0: <laughs> a Broby. Sure. So yeah, he they they okay. conceived. I figured that much because she was talking like the father was dead, and I right. knew that Brody checked out last season. Uh, so yeah, I guessed that.
1: Okay, good for you.
0: I I think this show is so well made.
1: It, it, it Indeed it is
0: That opening shot Of them just driving through the city In Afghanistan I don't know what city it was I can't remember Kabul, right? Uh, yeah, it might have been Kabul uh, That's a fantastic shot Yeah And a fantastic series of shots
1: Very tense too
0: I don't know why they let her get out of that car Like, if you are a high-up official <sighs> And you just have a whim That I've, I want to go outside right it's now It's only
1: three more blocks, ma'am I just, I just want to get some air
0: fuck you yeah, stay so in the car Shut your fucking mouth and we'll be there in a minute and a half yeah like, why they subject themselves and her to danger just for the, f- the fact that she wants to get out of the car is beyond me she's crazy she, and that is the crux of my problem with this show i think yeah the main character and now the only real main character sure. other than i guess saul who is a main character as well.
1: well also uh who's the cia operative um God damn it!
0: Not the one Corey Stoll played. No, no, no. He's the dumb. guy
1: that the uh, that had sex with the
0: uh, oh oh apartment I manager. I don't know his
1: the name. large redheaded lady.
0: The other guy who was in the car with her when yeah. Corey Stoll was pulled sure. out. Yeah, uh, that was a fantastic scene. But but the only real main character who I feel like I'm supposed to identify here with is a fucking terrible person on all levels i cannot get behind anything she does she doesn't mm. take responsibility for anything in her life
1: mm. including
0: her child who she actively abandons in this episode and has done so before but on the other hand you know why she's abandoning the child right because she's crazy <laughs>
1: yeah she she's, she's, a, she's a, a very mother she's a very damaged person
0: that's fine, but she doesn't take responsibility for any of her actions, and it shows in this episode. She's manipulative. When she does get called out, and rightfully so, she, she blames denies. it on other people. She, she denies, denies and it, And then she manipulates her way back into a position of, of authority. Uh, she's crazy. Yeah, no, she's, she
1: has a clinical, she's like bipolar. And
0: it is, it, it is completely outside the realm of possibility, I think, that someone could be so high up in the FBI or CIA or whatever she's in, Homeland Security, I don't know, and be a certified lunatic. I don't know. How do you pass mental screenings for the FBI if you are literally diagnosed with schizophrenia or whatever she has?
1: So let me ask you this mask you something in my best Shane. Okay. Uh, how is she different from Don Draper or Walter White? As far as terrible human being scale. So. Because I feel exactly. And and Alan Sepinwall went on a goddamn tear about this season of Homeland for largely the same reasons. I think there's a scene where she almost drowns her baby. In fact, she starts to do it and like snaps out of the fugue state. And he's like, I just can't get behind this. I can know. Nothing she does can possibly be worth watching her. And I'm like, how is that anything different than what Walt has done on many occasions in Breaking Bad? And he's compelling and she's just a crazy lunatic. Is this, is this unconscious sexism on our part? Or is there a fundamental difference between her being really, really, really good at her job and having yeah. all the cards against her superiors and Don being really, really, really good at his job and having cards against his superiors?
0: I don't, I don't think she's really good at her job. In this episode, she bombs a fucking wedding because she had faulty – she didn't have any intel. Like, well, do, do we know that he's in there? No, but we think that's his car, and it's been spotted at another place, and go ahead and bomb the fucking thing.
1: Well, but this, this it led to, like, 30 successful hits. This 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 source that Corey Stahl had, who I thought he did really good work in one and a half episodes... Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. It, it, was, it was solid, and that was another thing. Like, the geopolitics, I had a hard time with, because when characters were saying... Well, you know, he's a known terrorist. He's the most wanted man in the United States. You're at a wedding party. What do you expect? That's kind of like
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's faulty reasoning.
1: No, nah, but that's that's I you I kind of get ex- behind that, but then when you see it from the of uh, the other side, it's like Yeah, I mean, it's it's well, that's hard the, to say one way or another when it comes to that region and what to do about it, honestly. Sure,
0: and that's the purpose of the show, and that's the part where the show doesn't fall on its it face. It does really well. I think it does fantastic job of showing both sides of this conflict, whereas if you take a look at something like 24 – 24 oh, is a God. joke of an American flag-waving, yeah. trumpet-playing asshole. If, like, it, if
1: it remembers to make a point, it will forget it the next episode. It, it
0: will, inevitably. And it'll justify it saying it's all for America. Uh-huh. Because fuck everyone fuck else. Fuck yeah. Whereas Homeland takes a very nuanced approach to... I love how they juxtapose... Is her name Carrie in the yeah, show? What Carrie. is her name? Carrie? Uh-huh. Uh, blowing up this wedding. Uh-huh. And taking an ambien and putting on her mask and falling asleep that night uh-huh. with the vision of these people scrambling through the rubble trying to find their lost their lost and dead loved ones sure that just is such a stark contrast in in feeling and in tone that you get the point you understand man we just pull a push a button over here and it's fucking chaos there mm-hmm. and and she deals with really none of the consequence of it
1: sure um, And I thought the kid that they got to play the man—he's such a complex yeah, yeah. character because he's—he's certainly not a terrorist. Yep. Yep. He's trying to be a doctor in Pakistan, mm-hmm. but his uncle is this chief terrorist guy. He can sees both sides, like. You know, uh, he was at the wedding. He survived miraculously the event. He's mm-hmm. got he has got a shattered iPhone with video evidence. His friend steals it and posts it. His sister and his mother died in that
0: attack, by the way.
1: And he doesn't want—he's like, look, this nothing good will come from po- publishing this video. And he's the kid from Life of Pi, and he just—oh, he is, yeah—and okay. he just—he cr- crushes this role. He does, and he's torn between these guys, like this—these political dissidents, like a, you know know—America's got to pay. We got to post this to YouTube. Post to YouTube, and now there's some shadowy islamic fascist movement that's trying to silence him because i yeah. guess they're working for his i don't know exactly what's going on with that but he is great at being like and at one point even the cia guys like yeah they interviewed him he's not a radical fucking yeah he's islamic reasonable. fascist he's reasonable like i can't believe it uh-huh uh, which is kind of social commentary up there as well yeah sure Contrast contrasted Carrie, like you know well bomb the wedding yolo i also like though where she is trying to argue, like, let's just be truthful to the public. Yeah. We bombed the wedding. It had the most wanted guy there. Let's not try to cover it up. But everyone's first instinct is, how are we going to spin this? How are we going to spin this? How are we going to spin this? This is a direct result of the way we're waging war over there. We don't want to face it.
0: Sure. I, I mean, that, those are like very if, nuanced if points if they they're making. they
1: knew it was a wedding and there were 40 innocent people there, I'm not they convinced still that they wouldn't have, have pulled the trigger.
0: And that's the thing. By the end of these, this two-episode chunk of tv she's kind of on board with the idea that they deserved it right like that's just the way we do things you know
1: no i don't know what board she's on she's on the i'm carrie and i need to get away from this baby who i might kill and i need to get back to what i'm good at doing and i kind of i she feels self-destructive in the same way that brody was and that she needs to be doing something that might get her killed Hmm. so she can just die and be free of all this yeah, I yeah, think yeah. she's suicidal.
0: She might be. She might be. I don't know. It's it's a great show with a character I don't give a shit about at the center of it. That's the problem. I like Saul a lot. Yeah, Saul's awesome. And I I feel for his him. His beard. I, <laughs> sure. His beard alone is uh it makes him awesome. Um I wish, I wish Corey Stahl could have stuck around a little bit more. Cause goddamn I like that guy as an actor. Um
1: What do you think of this? so the guy's name's Quinn? Who? The, C- the CIA operative, kind of a wet works guy. He's the Carrie's one that... the sidekick. Yeah, and Kind yeah. of deal. Uh-huh. Then, see, Alan Sepinwall was, like, apocalyptic that they were trying to push them as a romantic couple. In just the two episodes I've seen... Who?
0: Who? Carrie and him? Yeah, I don't get no. that they're
1: romantic at all. Nope. Now, maybe something gets nope. blown wide open in episode three or four, but... Maybe. And I can see... And I I agree with Alan's central complaint, which is they kept – because Damien Lewis and Carrie, who's played by – help me out here – Claire Danes had such great chemistry in season one that instead of this being two damaged people that are attracted together and have great chemistry, it became this true love, this doomed love affair, this Romeo and Juliet bullshit. Hmm. Damien Lewis should have died in season two – or season one – Certainly, season two. Thank God he finally got off in season three. Uh-huh. Not that there wasn't interesting things that happened in season two or season three, but it just, that, it, it, it overstates welcome. And I feel like this, mm-hmm. now that they've got this, the showrunners got this whole, well, it's the doomed romance, it's the broken people thing. I will be very disappointed if they feel like they have to put Quinn and Carrie together yeah. to keep satisfying that segment of the audience. Because that's
0: not what's interesting about this show. It is not. Not but I'm all. not
1: seeing any evidence of that being the case. I mean, Quinn's his own kind of basket case. What did you think of his relationship with the apartment manager? Um, did you, for, there's, it's, it's, there was talk about, speaking of double standards involving sexism, there was talk mm-hmm. about the fact that he was arguably raped
0: sure.
1: by the apartment manager. He
0: was super drunk when He they
1: was so drunk he couldn't stand up. Yeah. They hooked up. Uh, on the other hand, it does seem like he was completely consensual in their lovemaking.
0: Sure, but had he gone back and said, oh, she she took advantage of me, I didn't consent to that. Uh, I, I mean... That's problematic. That's why it's like it I is, was saying on a Facebook, that's, that, that's
1: why you don't have drunken hookups with strangers. Yeah. Because you open yourselves up to that kind of thing happening.
0: Sure, I feel like he gets... Uh, a little bit of a bit of a pass because he's a guy and he always wants to have sex anyway so well but that's what i'm up, saying like if, like if that's a little bit of a double standard if certainly.
1: Ka- if carrie was in quinn's position <laughs> oh, yeah. and some big fat dude came in there and had sex with her uh-huh. i believe the internet would be spending a little bit of time discussing that scene but they because it's a dude they
0: definitely would
1: that's because it's a dude that can beat the shit out of people they're not and i don't i don't i mean i kind of don't have a problem with that but i can't articulate why
0: it is a double standard, absolutely.
1: But it's kind of the double standard I'm cool with. Like it's like like there's guys <laughs> saying that the Ray Rice seal where he punched his girlfriend because she came at him and tried to slap him, mm-hmm. well, yeah, don't punch dude. don't slap a guy. Don't start a fight you can't
0: win. It's like I agree don't slap a dude. Sure. Like if my agree, kid comes up and either. is
1: my kid comes up as angry and he punches me in the gut, do I just level him? <laughs> no. Like there is some disparity between There is the ability to be, I don't know. I, I, there is, that's problematic, but again, I, and maybe I'm, I'm, that's part of my sexism showing yet again. Cause I also think
0: maybe, I think some of this
1: stuff about Carrie being unlikable is a little bit sexist too.
0: I don't know, man. I'm not calling
1: you sexist because I see what you're saying, but it's hard for me to articulate the differences between her and a Thackeray and a Don Draper and a Walter White and a Tony Soprano.
0: She's crazy. She's literally crazy. All these people ca- are. Literally crazy. But I mean, she's diagnosably, medically treatably crazy. So that's the thing. Like, if
1: she wasn't bipolar and that wasn't a plot line, she would be. I would be, be looking
0: more into her motivations. Like, why is she doing this? Is mm. it because, like, here it all seems to be blanketed away by. You do by realize crazy. that the
1: crazy woman is its stereotype of its own.
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But not typically diagnosable. Right? I, I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying
1: is, like, is that a fig leaf on it?
0: Uh, maybe. I
1: I, maybe. I just wonder. I don't know. Yeah. Like I guess it's perfect valid to hate Carrie Matheson. She's designed to be hated, but I think so it's is Walter in... White.
0: Yes, at the end, but not at the beginning. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't know if that's different. If maybe that. I don't know. I that Carrie she was, was
1: hateable at the beginning either. I
0: don't think she was hateable at the beginning. She was definitely crazy at the beginning. I mean, yeah. even in season one, we got into her crazy. Yeah. Quite a bit.
1: But she was. I. You know, Sepinwall said that she was treasonous and this and that in season three. I thought season three she was fucking heroic.
0: Hmm, I like, one of the three.
1: big plots was that she she went along with a CIA plan where they did a false flag operation where they committed her to a mental institution okay. as revenge for her leaking something to public for the sole purpose of getting a rogue terrorist organization to try to recruit her as an asset. It turns out she voluntarily went through all this mental and emotional abuse, and it was extensive all for her country and you didn't find that out until like two or three episodes and i thought it was brilliant it was it was it it was really really brilliant how they handled it and i feel like that's the kind of stuff you get a fucking silver star intelligence star for you don't that's not treasonous behavior Hmm. she was only doing that as a direct as as a as a deep cover operation yeah yeah so i
0: i don't know i was really earned. yeah there's a line on those deep cover operations though right like I was watching a documentary on Hell's Angels. Like, you can't sure. kill a dude. Sure. And then say, well, I was undercover. What do you yeah. want me to do? I'm trying to get in I don't here. know.
1: And, uh, point of fact, I don't know that applies in the CIA.
0: Maybe not. Maybe not. Like, yeah.
1: I, you know, I've read some Tom Clancy books where shit gets real. And, yeah. of course, it's fiction. You don't know. But, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely think that there is some other <laughs> – when you're dealing with uh, terrorist and rogue nation states and people you're at Cold Wars with, that sure. there's other lines you might be willing to cross. Or look the other way. I don't know.
0: Definitely. I didn't see that season, so I can't really comment Again, on it.
1: Again, that's the show at its best when they're examining that area. Is I don't yes. give a shit about Carrie's personal relationships.
0: She, she yeah, I, I, she doesn't have very many, and it's hard to for them to be honest relationships because she's crazy. No, yeah. She's crazy. I mean, it seems like her connection with Saul is genuine. That's the one I like, and that's the one that's been through multiple seasons now. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what happened. Between them from season one to season four, but they've always kind of been, you know, friends, but a little at odds sometimes in their methods and other well, things. Well, sure, yeah. Uh, She's
1: a loose cannon, and he's had to clean up her messes far too many times. Yes, yes. He's, now, do you be, notice he's in the public sector now? He's yeah. gotten exiled from the CIA.
0: Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but he used to be her superior in the CIA. Sure. and her report, so. Now,
1: interesting, because that's another plot line, is that he made nice with his wife, and they have got reconciled. But they moved, well, because so that he, and then uh, is entirely contingent about him getting out of that life. Okay, and now it looks like he's putting things in the so it's like yeah. goddamn Saul, goddamn. But you can tell he's frustrated because he's yeah, now he has
0: a draw to this life.
1: He has to sell mercenary services to a government that he doesn't agree with the policy. I thought his line where he's like, "We're not fighting a fourteen year war; we're fighting a one year war fourteen times." Yeah. And his partner's like, God damn it, let's just make the sale. And he's like, No, I got principles. But like, man, you also promised to not be a dick to your wife and to let her have (laughs) her professional moment. And yeah, I like Saul enough that I'm like, I wish I could get sit him down and be like, Buddy, do you really want to do this?
0: Yeah, I think the core of what I don't like about uh, Claire Dane's character, Carrie, uh, is that she doesn't take responsibility. I mean, that's, that's really the core that I don't like. I'm impressed I if,
1: that they actually committed that because her sister did. gets her dead, the fucking rights. And yep. she just denies. She just, she Don Draper's the shit out of her. She does. Her sister's Betty white and she's Don Draper.
0: Yeah. And, and maybe that's why we like Don Draper. Cause he's so charismatic and Carrie's not. and Carrie is definitely She's the opposite. Uh, she's off putting in almost every regard. Uh, like that one scene where she got blood splashed on her face
1: during the really intense kidnapping of Peter Stahl's analysis character. Yeah. And she goes back to the embassy to report to the bosses and, and the, the girl at the desk who herself is a military woman's like, ma'am, you have blood on your face. And she goes – it's a fascinating performance because she's just like for 60 seconds cleaning blood off her face. Mm-hmm. And I kept expecting it's like – I never saw her cry because that's like a Carrie trademark. Uh, Claire Danes oh, okay. <laughs> can go toe to toe with Andrew on The Walking Dead when it comes huh. to ugly crying. All right. Um, but I was like, I, I, that performance was amazing because the whole time I'm like, is what is she feeling now? Is she about to cry? Is she upset? I felt upset like she was I,
0: more blank than anybody else like
1: disassociated like even Peter Quinn who's a bad motherfucker who is that he's the guy that needed a moment in the car after that raid he's her yeah Yeah. uh he was you know they had this big fight over it and I was like wow is she smarting over that is she nervous about the boss it's just a really interesting performance and she's very good at it
0: yeah I felt like a lot of her performance in this couple of episodes was trying not to be affected by it like I, Mm. I don't know if that's what they're actually going for—that she is struggling with this and trying not to act affected—but it came across that way to me.
1: Are you going to wa- continue to watch the show?
0: I think I might.
1: Okay, like, I, I would won't like...
0: go back and watch seasons two and three because I hear no, I don't think you need to. In fact, everyone to this, and... everything,
1: everyone listening to this, you really can start watching now and not miss a beat, because this is a complete yeah. reboot of the series. Okay. Arguably. It's got, you know, you don't, I mean, it, it's kind of like starting to watch Mad Men season one. You don't know how Betty and them meet. You don't know what the relationship with the kids are. Is this a story that's happening? Well, this is a brand new kind of fresh start. Uh, if you want, you can watch season one, I guess. It's really good.
0: It is. Yeah. Um, Without the the other side of this, if this were all Carrie and Saul and Quinn, I wouldn't be that interested in it With, without the, the Afghanistan perspective. Uh-huh. I, I think it adds so much nuance to the show that it becomes a way more interesting thing.
1: The the Life of Pie guy. Richard Parker. Um, that is that his name? No, I'm Richard Parker's the name of the tiger no, from no, uh, Life of Pi. I haven't seen it. What's he doing with him? What? Because he at one point flees his own house, and he's got a shit ton of some kind of vi- yeah. vials of medicine,
0: injections.
1: If he turns out to be a really, really deep cover bad guy, no, you, I, would you be outraged?
0: I'd be pretty outraged. Yeah, I. I That's think a twenty four
1: move, right? It, totally. Totally. To have the good, reasonable, scared kid that just wants everybody to get along, and he's trying to better himself to be actually a
0: terrorist. Yeah, I think I'm hoping that is more along the lines of supplies that he or someone he loves needs to survive. Mm. Like these are these are insulin shot equivalents um, for for either himself or someone he. But
1: loves. those blast ma- black mask guys came to his apartment, and he actually said something like, "There isn't anything here. There's no. There's nothing left." But I wasn't sure if they're talking about stuff on a cell phone or that. I mean... Yeah, yeah. I'm very curious about what is going on with that.
0: Sure. That's the eyebrow raise moment for me in this this couple of episodes. So,
1: all right. Well, maybe we can check in in a couple weeks, see how we're doing with it. Because I... After Seppenwall, and, and to less, much lesser extent, I thought Dan Feinberg was uncharacteristically trying to defend something against an unwarranted <laughs> assault by Wall. Yeah, I was expecting to really hate this. I was very entertained by the two hours and yeah. kind of excited about the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I don't want to get too down on how much Carrie uh, hampers my enjoyment of the show. I think the show itself is great. I think that character makes it a little more difficult for me to like it.
1: Yeah, and she's gonna do terrible things. They're gonna drive you crazy, but I, I think it's by design. Weirdly, yeah. And you know yeah. how I feel and about
0: Saul is kind of the balance to that. So yeah, yeah.
1: No, he's a he's an all over good dude. Yeah. Did you see his appearance on the Colbert Report? I didn't. Mm-hmm where he went on this whole thing cuz Stephen Colbert asked him about how he'd solved the Middle East crisis and he went on this like very earnest sounding thing that he was going to after <laughs> homeland was done run for <laughs> run for prime minister of Israel <laughs> what? and i like he an, an 5 minutes citizen? into it i thought that he was being dead serious <laughs> and then it turned out that it was like this but it was just all off the cuff unscripted yeah. mandy petinkin being a badass awesome that culminated in (laughs) in stephen colbert climbing onto his lap like a child and (laughs) and and mandy looking right in the camera and telling people it would be he's like i want you to tell it's going to be all okay but Mm. in your eyes i want us to see that you can't that you don't quite believe it (laughs) and he did it (laughs) it's i want to see if i can find that clip and put it in the show notes because it's yeah it's it's an awesome performance and he does a great job
0: nice all right i think that's it right
1: yeah, if you'd like to give us feedback on this or any of the other, all the TV podcasts, you can do so at tv at baldmove.com. Uh, if you'd like to support us, there's a lot of ways you can do so. Right now, we're leaning hard on patreon.com slash baldmove because we want to hit that $500 level. We want to get forums going yeah. for you the people. Uh, and we've done a lot of cool things. like We had our first ever lunch with Jim and Aaron, which is a top, top dollar thing where we literally... Uh, we we drink some beers and we talk about stuff. We talk a lot about podcasting and technology and independent broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be having the Q&A module for Google Hangouts installed on that so people can contribute to it eventually. That didn't go so well today, but <laughs> we're getting the kinks uh, hammered out. But we're going to be doing a lot of Patreon-exclusive bonus features over there. So we're excited about that. Uh, you can find all that out at patreon.com slash baldmove. Uh also subable.com slash bald move. Also, if you want to uh, uh commission us to do a custom podcast, um a custom voice greeting, lots of other different custom stuff, uh might be a nice present for all the bald movers in your life. Christmas is coming up. Check that out at subable.com slash bald move. Also, we got Amazon.com, uh, our affiliate link at Amazon.baldmove.com. You go there, everything you buy, we get teeny tiny cut of. Uh, lots of new stuff on the Bald Move Network. My God. Oh. Uh, Eric and Jesse and Levi are doing Gotham. Mm-hmm. If you want to uh, check that out, uh, the Gotham blotter on BaldMove.com. Me and Cecily of True Blood fame are doing American Horror Story podcast. The Walking Dead is back. It's coming oh. out this Sunday. We got a big old it's podcast nice. and Month of the Dead series where you're reviewing. We're playing through Telltale's view, uh, games. You're reviewing zombie movies. We're doing the 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 instant takes we're doing the full podcast i wrote a walking dead book <laughs> that got, you can get at book.baldmove.com um it's on amazon for 299 uh, we got a
0: contest going we got a we contest got tell going tell about the contest
1: well it's it's just one, 24 hours left like if you hear this by friday afternoon it's going to be too late but we're giving away two sets of vip passes to walker Stocker con where we're making an appearance in atlanta october's 16th through the 18th, I think. In 17th Atlanta.
0: through the 19th, absolutely.
1: There you go. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be there. We're going to be doing a panel on Friday and a meet and greet with people afterwards. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a great way to meet the Walking Dead crew and cast and all your fellow fans and do a lot of zo- really unique zombie merchandise opportunities. Mm-hmm. To enter the contest, you got to go to patreon.com bald move or slash bald move. Subable.com is a free registration. And then you got to send an email to and Dead. At Baldmove.com. I just assume enter everyone on Patreon and Subbable, but it'd suck to give someone these sweet VIP passes that can't even get to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. So please, if you can if you think you can get there, uh go uh sign up and then go to uh send an email to Watching Dead at Baldmove.com.
0: Or we're gonna be doing other contests throughout Every the month, month. So go sign up anyway and wait until our other contests.
1: We'll have a new contest out on Tuesday where we're gonna be giving away your choice of Walking Dead Eh, Let's go ahead and – your choice of season and your choice of format, DVD, Blu-ray, The Walking Dead. We're going to have a Funko Pop Walking Dead figure. We're going to have – what else? Your book? Uh, uh, Your choice of Bald Move Walking Dead t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm gonna give away a free copy of the book and that's gonna happen every Tuesday on baldmove.com as well. Yes, yeah, and that to the... will
0: be from the entire pool of subable and patreon subscribers.
1: Yeah, it's so. not just people signing up, it's everybody. So if you're already in there, yeah. all you got uh, and, and you will be entered automatically. No so. email required. Yep, For the yep. VIP
0: passes you gotta send the email though. Yeah. You
1: gotta be able to go to Atlanta. Yep. Uh, and uh, that's that's it. That's if you you know, you can always go to support.baldmove.com to find out all the ways you can support us. We appreciate all of the, the hard work uh, and the people that, that share stuff, the people that rate and reviews on iTunes, the people that give us money, you're the ones, you're the real heroes. You're the ones that let us do what we do and mm-hmm. uh, eat out a living at it. So thank you very much. All right. We'll be back in a week or two for an, another we installment will. of the Bald Move. Uh, there, we actually have a new feature, uh, calendar.baldmove.com, mm-hmm. where you can see all of our release schedule. If you want to know when we're live broadcasting those Let's Plays, You want to know when we're doing uh, broadcasts of uh, Instant Cast. You want to know when we're doing a Bald Move TV. Check out calendar.baldmove.com for all the latest.
0: Okay, sounds good. We'll be back a couple weeks, one week, who knows. But until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya.